0: Please take your Bibles, if you would, turn back to the book of Romans, Romans in chapter number 6. If the Lord will help us this week, we want to finish out chapter 6 and move into, if not all the way through, chapter 7. There's a lot of really good things here and things very applicable to our our time and our day um, with these subjects we're dealing with. Now, just for a quick recap, it always helps in the middle of a study of any book You've got to keep the big picture of the book in mind, or the context, as many would call it. We've got to keep our minds wrapped around the context, or we're going to totally misunderstand some of what he's getting at, or we'll miss the point. So, if you'll remember chapters 1 through chapter 3 of Romans, what did we deal with? Condemnation. The, The message is the law is given to condemn and conclude all men under sin. It's there to show us that we are guilty before God and that if we don't deal with our sins, that God um, is obviously going to judge us. So so there's the sin problem. The law is there to condemn. Chapters 4 and chapters 5, what do they deal with? Justification. By grace, not the law. And Paul spends two chapters hammering it's by grace, by grace, by grace. It's been by grace from the beginning of time. It's going to be by grace through the end of time. It's always by grace that we've been justified. It's never been by the law. The law only could conclude us under sin. The law could only condemn us under sin. All the law could do was expose our sin, and we'll deal some more with that even where we're at now, because when we move out of chapter 5 and into chapter 6, now we're addressing questions that are brought up by maybe some well-meaning people but also the scoffers or those trying to make light of Paul's teaching on grace. People that want an excuse to sin. They are asking questions and Paul is what what Paul's doing, he's asking the rhetorical question that he knows they're going to ask and then proceeds to give them the Bible answer explaining, no, we don't have a right to sin. No, we can't live in sin. So let's pray really quickly before we go any farther um, this week, and then we'll see what the Lord will have for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you once again for an opportunity to teach and preach your word. And Lord, I'm I'm thankful for your help in the study and for your help throughout Romans and what it's meant to me personally. Father, I pray that this morning you would take your word, and deal it in the hearts of all those that listen, whichever format they listen by. Lord, I pray that you would use it in them for your purposes to bring Christians to a holy life, not a legalistic life, but a truly holy life, one that stays away from sin and serves you with all that they've got. Lord, we'll thank you and we'll praise you for what you'll do, for how you'll bless, and we ask that you would take your word and convict and reprove those living against it and show them the truth of your word, the truth of the gospel, and that they might be gloriously saved before it's eternally too late. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name and again in accordance with your will. Amen. Romans chapter 6, verse number 1. We've already dealt with verses number, verse 1 through really verse 14. But I want just to refresh our minds on the first question, because if you'll remember, chapter 6 and chapter 7, Paul begins to take three questions that are going to be asked as a result of his teaching on we're not under the law anymore, we're under grace. And so there's three questions that's going to be asked throughout these two chapters. He'll ask a question, and he'll answer it. It leads to the next question, which he asks again, and then proceeds to answer it. It leads to the third question. Same thing again. He answers it. And it's all very orderly, very easy to wrap your minds around. I want you to remember this, understand this, nail it down, file it away, whatever you need to do with it. You take this and, and, I mean, (laughs) take it to the bank, as some people would say. This is critical. This is important. God does not intend for any Christian to live in sin, period. Now, is it possible to live to sinless perfection, as some would teach? Absolutely not. There's a ditch on both sides here. The truth is going to be found right in the middle, right where God's Word is at. We do not have a license to sin, as some would say, and we don't have the ability to live sinlessly perfect. We have the power at our disposal. The problem is we're human, we're flesh, and at some point, somewhere, we're going to fail because of that. God has delivered us from the power of sin. He has not saved us yet from the presence of sin. That won't happen until we die and go to heaven. When God will finally remove us, uh, or remove the ability to sin from us, and then I, I guess after, maybe you could say even in the millennial reign, we'll be free from the presence of sin in our life, and any sin externally, I guess you could say, would be judged, but that's a totally different subject for another time. This is what I want you to see. The first question that was asked, he says in the end of chapter 5, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So somebody looking for an excuse to sin or misunderstanding the purpose of grace, here's the question they're going to ask. Well, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? If grace that much more abounds when there's sin, well, then let's just keep on sinning more and more and more so grace can abound even more and more and more. If that is your desire, then you've got serious heart problems. Here's Paul's answer. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What do we say? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? God doesn't intend for the believer to live in sin. And then we spent much time dealing with several things that grace does in our heart. Grace, let me just run over them really quickly. Grace makes us a new person. Grace gives us a new purpose. Grace puts us in a new position. We're in the family of God where our purpose is to serve God. Um, grace gives us a new power or the power of the Holy Spirit In our life, or that power of the resurrected Christ, that is power able, that broke the power of sin, that enables us to live right. And then grace gives us a new practice and makes sin a choice in our life. Grace, the intention of grace is not at all to free us to sin. Rather, it was to free us from the bondage of sin. That's important. Because now we come to verse number 15, and Paul asks his next question, which stems from what he's just been teaching. He says, for sin shall not have dominion over you. In verse number 14, he says, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, the law, but under grace? Very similar question um, to the first one in verse 1, but it's a little bit different. In verse 1, you could almost say, Paul. they ask, him, well, can we continue in sin that grace may abound? And Paul says, why? How? I should say. How can we? Positionally, spiritually, we're dead to sin. Now we're alive to God. And God changed our nature. If there is a desire to sin, and I'm not talking about the flesh side of us, but we know we've got two natures on the inside of us, those of us that are saved. There's the flesh and there's the spirit. And the Spirit doesn't want to sin. But when you all you want to do is live in sin, and there's no conviction about it, there's a serious problem. If you have a desire to live in sin rather than a desire to serve God, my friend there is something majorly wrong with your heart and you better check up because there's a good possibility you're not saved. Because when grace moves in, it changes my desire, it changes my purpose, it changes my nature, and I don't want the things of the flesh anymore. Rather, I want God and the presence of God and the power of God on my life. Now, that may seem like a bold statement to say you may very well not be saved, but I'm warning you, you better check up. There's a lot of people out there today, and that's where they end up. They have a desire to sin. They have no desire to serve God. I'm telling you, there is a major heart problem, and they're very likely not saved at all. Because when a Christian begins to live a lifestyle of sin, God chastens them. When a sinner lives a lifestyle of sin, it seems they go all the way through life. Does Will God judge them? Absolutely. But God does not deal with them as he deals with us that are in a part of his family and the sons of God or daughters of God, if you want to to say it that way as well. So we're not to be living in sin. You need to understand this as well. Any teaching that gives us license for loose living is false doctrine. I want to share with you a few verses from a couple different other passages, and that's probably all we'll have time for today. But if you'll turn with me to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians in chapter number 4, this is what we were before we were saved. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 17. He says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness or uncleanness with greediness. Now understand the meaning of that word lasciviousness means looseless, irregular indulgence of animal desires, wantonness or lustfulness. It also could, carries the idea of another word called licentiousness, which means excessive indulgence in liberty that comes along with a contempt for the just restraints of law, morality, and decorum, or in other words, our speech and character. Good speech and good character, I should say. There's no restraint. Before salvation, Gentiles walked, how? In lasciviousness. No restraint They live by what they want. They live loose. They live in sin. He says, But ye have not so learned in Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation of the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So before salvation, we walked in lasciviousness, looseness, licentiousness. We wanted to live in the flesh, and we had contempt for any law. That's important, because then you turn to 1 Peter with me, if you would. 1 Peter in chapter 4. First Peter in chapter 4 gives us another little verse here that tells us what we used to be. For in time past, of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. I don't need to read any more than that. What I'm trying to say is that was the past life. Living in lasciviousness, living loose, living without any restraint, living in sin, that ought to be your past life. That better not be your present life. And if it's your present life, then there's something wrong in your heart. And you've broken, at the very least, you've broken your fellowship with God. Or if you're living a lifestyle of sin, my friend, I'm warning you, according to the Word of God and according to 1 John in chapter 3, those that live a lifestyle of sin never got saved. Because when a believer begins to live in sin, God will chasten him if he still refuses to repent God takes him out of this world. My friend. sin is no playing matter. God never intended for us to live in sin, but rather God intends to free us from the power of sin that we might live holily and righteously before God. And if you have misunderstood grace and you think that you have a right to live any old way you please, then, my friend, you've severely misunderstood what grace's intention is in your heart. Grace merely freed you from sin so that you would be free to serve God. And as we get into the rest of this passage, that's what Paul's going to begin to show to us very clearly. Thank you so much for listening. You've been listening to the Back to the Book Broadcast with Brother Jimmy Ruckman. You can send all correspondence to Brother Jimmy Ruckman 1621 Six Mile Cemetery Road, Maryville, Tennessee three seven eight oh three, or email Back to the Book Broadcast at gmail.com. The Back to the Book Broadcast is a ministry of the Ridgeview Baptist Church in Walland, Tennessee. You can visit the church website at rbcwalland.org.